So, how do we get there to the subject of baptism? Where does it come from? Uh, Why do we do this? How does it enrich our faith? And so, to answer this question, I'm going to begin in a rather strange place. I'm going to just clip one verse out of the book of Hosea. This is an Old Testament prophet, and his message was that God is faithful even when his people are unfaithful. That was Hosea's basic message. God is faithful when we are unfaithful. God is always faithful. We are never fully faithful. And so uh, from that work of the Spirit through Hosea, we have this uh, verse, Hosea chapter 6, verse 7, where the author says, but like Adam, they transgressed the covenant, there they dealt faithlessly with me. And so here you see the theme in Hosea of God's faithfulness, even in the face of our unfaithfulness. And as a result, uh, we have this little passage, and it teaches us much about this idea of the covenant. If Adam related to God on the basis of a covenant, and that same covenant was based on God's faithfulness, not our faithfulness, that means that all of us must learn how to relate to God, our creator, on the basis of his covenant. And so to relate to God on the basis of his covenant means to relate to him on the basis of his faithfulness. This is a uh, very old concept that God is the faithful one and that we relate to him on the basis of a covenant uh, that is his agreement to be faithful to us. Um, Since the beginning of sin in the context of humanity, we have struggled with faithfulness. We've been unable to manifest perfect faithfulness. So we rely on God and his faithfulness as the basis of our relationship with him. Our relationship with God is based on faith in the righteousness and faithfulness of God, not on our ability to adhere to and obey the law. That's the distinction. So we relate to God on the basis of his faithfulness and on the basis of his grace. That is the message of Hosea. That is the message of the Bible That is the message of God's covenant love, that our relationship with him is based upon his grace, not upon our works. All right, so Adam and Eve were in a covenant with God that they broke, and all of mankind that that is in relationship with God is in relationship with him on the basis of his covenant. A covenant is a... Hebrew word comes from a Hebrew word that means to cut. And so God has cut his uh, agreement in ultimately in the, in the flesh of his own son with us for our forgiveness and grace and our standing in his covenant. Uh, Genesis chapter 3 verse 21 says this is right after Adam and Eve have fallen into sin and they are being expelled from the garden for their own good. And God says, the Lord God, or the Bible says, the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed 
clothed them. This means that there was a death, at least of one animal, uh, possibly more, uh, that sort of points to a bigger truth that we, to be in a covenant relationship with God, must be able to accept the death of another for the forgiveness of our sin. Our sin's consequence brings death. When we are in covenant relationship with God, that means we are trusting or accepting the death of another for the sake of our forgiveness of our sin. Okay, simple idea, very important. Um, Let's jump to Genesis chapter 9, verses 12 and 13. Here God is talking to Noah, and he, he gives... He makes a covenant with Noah. He makes an agreement with Noah. Uh, there's been death. So there's, there's been the death of, of people who were disobedient. Um, and then there's the salvation of Noah and the covenant that God makes with him. And there's a sign that God applies to this covenant. Genesis chapter 9, verses 12 and 13. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For all future generations, I've set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. So a covenant is a cutting of God's agreement to persevere on the basis of his faithfulness in our relationship to him. There is, it's a life and death thing. Um, we'll get to that in a second. But he, he gives this covenant a sign. That's the important thing to take away from Genesis chapter 9. Then Genesis 17, 9 through 12, or at least the beginning of verse 12. This God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male throughout your generations. This is a really important passage for understanding the way that God relates to us on the basis of his covenant. We have to be able to see the signs of God's covenant love and understand what those signs mean for us. So every covenant has a sign. In the case of God's covenant with us, uh, the sign always includes a symbol of life or death. And in the case of uh, Noah or Adam and Eve, the symbol, the sign was the killing of the animal, the skins that covered them in their sin. In the case of Noah, it was the rainbow and the cloud that symbolized hope and life. In the case of Abraham, it's the cutting away of a part of a man's flesh that reveals the most intimate part of him. It's God saying that he wants to be in intimate relationship with us. He wants to know our inmost place. And so the signs of the covenant help us to understand and to know that God's covenant is a matter of life and death. That he gives us a sign of hope and that his covenant is intensely personal. It's to relate to us at the very core of our being. It's a cutting away of that which 
hides us, if you will, from the presence and, and I guess, knowledge of God. He knows everything. He sees everything, and he is deeply in love with his people, and he wants to be close to us. So a matter of life and death, a sign of hope, it's intensely personal, and it is intentionally generational. So the way that God is communicating here is to say that his love is not just for you. It's, for, it's to go through you into the generations beyond you. Whether those are your children or someone else's, it doesn't matter. Your faith is to be passed along, passed down, passed forward in time to the next generation. The sign of that faith is to be given to that next generation sort of in an anticipatory way to say these are God's children. These are part of his plan. This is the way his love works. It looks forward. It looks toward the redemption of the future. And so I want to take you really quickly. Well, not very quick. It's like four whole verses. But I want to take you to Romans chapter 4 where the apostle Paul is talking about Abraham's faith. And in this passage, Paul is talking about whether or not Abraham was justified before God because he obeyed God or because God gave him the faith to believe in his covenant that's based on God's faithfulness. And you'll see Paul's uh, articulation of this. It's pretty clear. So I'm going to read from Romans chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. And again, this is Paul speaking about Abraham, who we just read about. He, that being Abraham, received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but all, who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. For the, this pur- for the purpose, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Paul is pointing out that what gave Abraham his standing with God was God's grace towards Abraham before Abraham applied the sign of the covenant to himself and to his offspring. This is important because it it shows us, it proves to us biblically that the basis of our relationship with God is, is on the foundation of our faith in him, not upon our righteousness or our obedience to his law. Another important word that is used in this passage is in verse 11. Paul says that he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith. So his righteousness didn't come by obedience. It came by faith by making a claim upon the righteousness of God as the basis for his covenant relationship with his creator. And God gave him a sign, both a sign and a seal of that covenant 
relationship, which in Abraham's case was circumcision. But for us, just for now, can we just say that we all need to lay claim to what is sealed for us in Christ, in his sacrifice, in the covenant that God cut with us in in the flesh of his son. That we claim what is sealed up for us means that we engage our faith. Our faith is the conduit through which our covenant relationship with God flows. It is not the relationship itself. It is a gift of God, as, as, as Paul tells us in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, 7, and 8. Um, however, we are to engage our faith. This is how we access God's covenant grace. It's how we connect to his covenant love. Jesus fulfilled the law and sealed your destiny. Your faith in him is the basis or is the, the conduit through which your relationship with God takes place. So Paul is telling us our faith is deeply important. We should pay attention to it. We should dial in, plug in, and engage our faith. And at the same time, through this faith and what is sealed for us in the, in the, in the promise of God, in the covenant of God, and the seal that he gives to us, we may attain a righteousness that is not our own. That is how uh, the faith that we have lays claim to the righteousness of Christ, that we are gaining a righteousness that is not earned, but is by grace, that it is is given to us by God uh, for our forgiveness. So this idea of a sign and a seal, that your faith is not just what you believe. It is something that God has has given a sign for and has sealed in his eternal uh, throne room, if you will, and your name is written in the book of life. If Christ died to forgive you of your sins, you access that by faith, but you are to know that you are forgiven that your, your fate is sealed, if you will, in a great way, uh, and that you are safe and secure in his hands. So let me jump to another passage written by Paul. Uh, the great thing about Paul is he grew up Jewish. He was a rabbi. He was a Jewish scholar, and then he became a Christian. And in so doing, he has a wonderful grasp of both the Old Testament signs and seals of God's covenant love as well as the New Testament signs and seals of God's covenant love. And here in this passage, you will see uh, the connection between the Old Testament sign and seal of circumcision and the New Testament sign and seal of baptism. So here we go. This is from Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. It says, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, By putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. 
are to take comfort in what Christ has done for us. At no time in our lives has this been more true than right now. That all that's going on around us, in the midst of it, we can find comfort in what Christ has done for us. We can trust in his fulfillment of the covenant. Paul literally says that we were circumcised in Christ, but without human hands. This is a spiritual circumcision, a cutting away and exposing of our inmost self by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. This is where he equates baptism with circumcision. This is how we understand that baptism is the New Testament sign and seal of our faith, that we can trust in Christ's fulfillment of the covenant, and we can follow him from death to life. This is always the basis of a covenant. It's a life or death cutting of an agreement between God and his people. It's based on his faithfulness, not ours. Therefore, we don't have to fear. He has done everything that is necessary for securing our place in his family forever. So this won't change. This won't go away. No one can undo what God has done. And therefore, we take comfort in what Christ has done in his fulfillment of the covenant and his bringing us from death to life. And we also are to take comfort in what our baptism has shown to us. So if you are like me and you were baptized as an infant, I was uh, baptized in a Presbyterian church in Houston, Memorial Drive Presbyterian Church. My parents uh, were members there, took me to be baptized when I was a baby. I have no memory of my baptism. It doesn't matter because it's not about me. Baptism is a sacrament that's given to the whole church, to all of us. It blesses everyone who participates, everyone who witnesses it, everyone who's there the Spirit moves through that event to bring us closer to, to the Son. And so I look back to my baptism, though I cannot remember it, it is a point in my life where my parents laid claim to the promises of God on my behalf. And so I take comfort in what that baptism has shown to me, or any baptism shows to me, and that is that our sins are washed away you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses that is a enormous statement that God has forgiven us all of our trespasses was that wise because if you're understanding me correctly, you might be thinking to yourself, wait a minute, if he's forgiven all of my trespasses, then I can go out and do whatever I want. True, you can. You may have missed the point entirely, but the point, the purpose of God's covenant relationship with his people is to draw us closer to his son. The activity of baptism reminds all of us that we are washed of our sins that we are 
brought into the family of light and life and hope and grace, not just for now, but forever. That we are part of God's family and no one can take that away from us. And so we find comfort in what our baptism has shown us, that our sins are washed away and that our hearts are set free. Verse 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Brothers and sisters, we are free. Our baptism is the sign and the seal of that freedom that we have been washed, our burdens have been cast off by Christ, taken to the cross and nailed there forever that you and I can live in freedom, in grace, in love, in covenant security in this life and in the next. And so I just have to think about um, everything we're going through, all of the uncertainty, um, all of the hype that's out there about this virus. And it can be overwhelming. It can induce fear and anxiety and frustration, and uh, just the, the isolation alone is enough to uh, bring discouragement. And so in the face of all of that, God gives us these things that draw us closer to him, his word, the sacrament of communion, the activity of prayer, the sacrament of baptism, and the gathering of his saints, although we have to do it weirdly now uh, through this uh, Zoom interface, but nonetheless, we are his people. We are together, though we are apart. His word, his sacraments, the activity of prayer, all gifts that God has given to his people to draw us closer to himself. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we reflect upon your covenant love, the ways in which you have made it clear to us that we must accept the death of another for the forgiveness of our sins. And we look to the death of your son on the cross as that place that through faith we have access to your eternal covenant of love. We reflect on the power of our baptism, the ways in which you have given us a sign and sealed our place in your family through uh, this practice that you gave us as your church that reminds us of who we are and what you have done to secure our place in your family forever. Lord, help us to remember that sign and that seal, to live as though we are yours to shine the light of your kingdom everywhere we go, not to think of our, our security as a, as a license to sin, but rather as a reason to glorify you and bless those around us. May your word, your light, your love, your hope, your covenant, your peace be at work in each of our hearts throughout the week ahead. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
to understand what God has willed, what God has planned. I only know at his right hand stands one who is my Savior. I take him at his word your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1, 9. My Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior is always there for me. My God, he was, my God, he is, my God is always going to be. My Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior is always there for me. My God, he was, my God, he is, my God is always going to be. My Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior is always there for me. My God, he was, my God, he is, my God is always going to be. My Savior loves, my Savior lives, my 
morning. Um, my name is Carl Trim. I'm an elder here at Hope Church, and we have come to our time of offertory. Um, normally, I'd tell you that there's a bucket in the back, but don't everybody get up at once and come down here to put something in there. But we do have e-giving. You can give online if that is, uh, if that is available for you. Now, I do know that in these days of trying times, knowing that a lot of people are out of work, um, there are other ways of giving. There's giving of ourself. If it's nothing but just picking up a phone and calling a person in need, someone you love, knowing that they're struggling, offering a prayer, offering to do something for them that doesn't come in contact with them, there's many ways that we can offer of ourselves um, in addition to our funds. So do know that it is biblical. Um, normally I would tell you that we have a prayer partner in the back. Uh, turn to one sitting next to you and pray with them. Knowing that uh, just a prayer between two people is just, it's an amazing gift that you can, it's a relationship gift that you can have with God and with each other. Listening to um, the sermon today, Tom said something early in his message that, that stuck out to me. He says, God is always faithful to us and that we will never measure up to his faithfulness. And I didn't, it, it never registered to me that, yes, I, I tried to be faithful to God in every way possible but I'll never I'll never meet that point I'll never earn his faithfulness and that because he's perfect in every way and I'm not in any way that um, that I'll never measure up to that but he loves me unconditionally no matter what I do it doesn't matter what I do but when I fail and when I fall he picks me up when I hit that brick wall and I fall and I look around and there's no one there I know that he you pick me up. So that's a very comforting thing. Um, he said something else too. It says, sin brings death. Early in my childhood in Sunday school, and I heard a similar message um, that about Adam and Eve and that when they sinned and God clothed them in um, animal skin, it never registered to me that that had to bring death. So sin bringing death is is um, kind of scary because I sin every day. But knowing that the ultimate death, when, when Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that I was forgiven unconditionally. And that's quite comforting for me. Um, so yeah, the death of Christ on the cross was the ultimate sign of God's love and God's covenant for us. So as the music plays, just think of where you are right now. Um, Tom had brought up baptism, um, which is a beautiful sign of, of your love for God and your trust in what he has for us in our everlasting life. If you haven't been baptized, if you want to be baptized, um, not all of us were baptized that day. 
But if that's something you desire in your heart, reach out to Tom or someone like that and see if we can bring you down here. And, and we love you. And so as music plays, be where you are in your walk with Christ and uh, look that next step. Heavenly Father, I, uh, I love you. I don't deserve you, but I love you. And I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, for that ultimate sign that you gave us of, of your love. And I just thank you for the many blessings that you have given us. And I pray, Father, that in these trying times, the uncertainty of what we're going through and what tomorrow brings, I just pray that you lay upon our hearts that uh, just the knowing and the sign that you are in control. And we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. But stick around so we can worship together and, and we can fellowship and, and we can see each other and talk and, and just celebrate with God's people. So here we go. Amen and amen.
will you take God's blessing into your heart, receive it, and let it give shape to who you are, to how you live. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. May you go in his peace. And we will now unmute. Is that right, Jeff? All right, so y'all.